1: This is the Lombardi Line with
3: Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VCN.
4: Hey everyone, welcome in. It is another edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. I'm Ben Wilson with you Tuesdays and Wednesdays in for Patrick Maher from our Circus Sportsbook studios in downtown Las Vegas. Great to have Michael Lombardi back on the show. First time we've seen you, Michael, uh, since Sunday. So great to have you back. A new episode of the GM Shuffle out as well with with Michael and Femi Abebefe. So a lot to get to, Michael, because we haven't had you on the show here uh, in a couple of days. Want to start in uh, in the Miami Dolphins situation room, so to speak, where we have all sorts of injury concerns on Tua Tagovailoa coming into uh, Thursday night football. But since we have so much to get to today, want to circle back as well, get your thoughts on the game from Sunday where you get out Outplayed thirty or not, at least the number of plays run ninety to thirty nine, and yet you still uh, still win the game. So before we get to the Tua piece here, Michael, what uh, what impressed you the most about the Dolphins' performance Sunday, despite all those uh, play discrepancies there?
5: Well, I mean, look, they were three for three in the red zone, so they made the most of their time count. Right as you have indicated, they scored three they scored three touchdowns. They got the ball spotted at the six yard line. They put that in for a touchdown on a third and twenty two. Tua makes a middle read throw down the field. Uh, And, you know, the two safeties, the the, the strength of the Buffalo defense isn't there. Makes a great throw. That's, you know, it sets up another touchdown. But to me, this is really about – I don't know if I've seen a game book like this one, Ben. I don't know if you go through the game books every week. I do. I wrote about it for com. I mean, I go through them. I watch the games. I study the fourth quarter. I don't think I've ever seen a game book in my almost 40-year NFL career that has been (laughs) this lopsided. That wasn't affected – By turnovers. Like, this wasn't affected by turnovers. This was affected by a lot of mental mistakes by the Buffalo Bills. I get the heat and humidity got to them, but, wow, this was uh, one of those where they're going to look back and say, how did we lose that game again? I mean, at the end of the first half, the spike that didn't occur. They got a chance to kick a field goal. They missed a field goal in the fourth quarter. You know, it just was a comedy of mental mistakes, not so much – of the errors on the field in terms of turning the ball over.
4: And as much, right, as we, we have to give credit, Miami taking advantage of the opportunities that they had, at the same time, you kind of have to factor in the, the point here, which was that Buffalo at one point in this game had 14 of their projected 22 starters either already ruled out before the game kicked off or were injured in the middle of the game. And yet for Tua and this Dolphin offense... Fewer than 200 passing yards. I realize that at least the general efficiency has been there. He hasn't really turned the ball over much. Seven touchdowns and two picks so far for three games. Setting aside the injury concerns going forward, what did that tell you at least about Miami? That against a severely hampered secondary, there weren't many explosive plays to be had, and the target shares for Jalen Waddell and the Tyree were way, way down Sunday.
5: Well, I think that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier did a really good job of curtailing that. But more than anything, I think when you watch the tape and study the tape, I think what you see is Miami still can't get their running game going. And Matt Milano had a chance to win the game. I mean, the ball hit him between the, in his chest and he dropped it. I mean, two or three one to him He just didn't catch it. So, look, I think the thing about Miami is they have been resilient. They are they're they're not a good 3 and 0 team. By no means, even if they beat Cincinnati to go 4 and 0, this is not sustainable over the next what do we have? 13 games. I mean, it's going to be hard. They're going to have to be able to find a way to not make the mistakes, and they've avoided them. And I think you got to credit Mike McDaniel, but their skill is good, and they're able to, to hang in the game. Their defense, in terms of points per play and all the statistical mm-hmm. data, hasn't been very good. And Buffalo's got to be kicking themselves in the butt for not winning that game. There's no doubt, but life goes on. And you have to do it. I mean, I mean, they were eleven for eighteen on third down. I mean, Tua only had Tua only had eight third downs in the game. I mean, the, it wasn't that they did anything, you know, moving the football. Buffalo averaged five five a play. They limited Buffalo's mm-hmm. explosive plays. Tua averaged five four a play, you know, and so and it, it didn't have the ball. And never had the ball. So for me, it was really about the red zone and it was about the clutch playing at the clutch time.
4: No question. And it's not that just the raw yards per play necessarily always tells the entire story. But if you're talking about Miami and if they have overachieved so far, you look at where they're at just from a net yards per play standpoint through the first three games of the season. I'll just read you a few teams ahead of Miami right now. Indianapolis, Las Vegas, Carolina. Atlanta, I mean, you have a, a Miami team that's in the negative net yard per play category so far, negative 0.3. Uh, they're getting six yards per play, which is good, but allowing 6.3 so far. And you factor that into a really short week, which is the of the most difficult situational spots we'll see uh, this week. Certainly where Miami has seen that line go against them from one and a half up to four. Even if Tua was healthy, what would you make of this spot for them going into Cincinnati, taking on a Bengal team that... I guess, kind of got right, even though the O-line still yeah. has some concerns. I mean, what would you make of this spot in general, just sort of setting aside the two-injury concern?
5: I mean, I think it's a really good matchup for Miami. I really do. I think Miami's, you know, defensive front is physical, it's powerful, and Cincinnati's offensive line, even against the Jets, didn't prove it, that, that, that they could hold up. I mean, this offensive line has been really disappointing for Cincinnati. But they were able to make a big explosive play. That's where they really have been hurt so far this year. They hadn't made explosive plays. Tyler Boyd catches a flat, you know, a, a hook area, and and they both collide. They missed the tackle, and next thing you know, he's in the end zone. And so that that big play really helped them. I mean, they can move the football, but they can't protect. I mean, and then they lead to interceptions. They're 26th in the National Football League in interceptions. They're 28th in yards per Mm -hmm. attempt. I mean, they're not getting it down. The other thing they can't do is run the ball. They're 30th in in rushing. So, for me, Zach Zach Taylor's got to figure out, hey, how do I play this game? I want to limit Miami's chances with the football. I can't turn it over, and I've got to make darn sure – that I I get the ball down the field to Chase who's going to be guarded by Xavier Howard and I think that's going to be someone's going to have to step up and make a play here and Burrow's taking a beating. I don't know how Burrow gets up in the morning on Monday. I really don't. I mean he gets sacked <laughs> 10 he gets sacked 10.7 times per play. Every 10.7 plays he gets sacked.
4: I can't even imagine. I mean, and again, it's it's, uh, it's a situation where even though the sack rates, like they look good on paper from from the Jet game, that, there, are, there are some situations where that game could have gone a whole lot differently. You take out a pretty uh, pretty controversial personal foul penalty on John Franklin Myers to extend a drive when it was 7-6 Cincinnati early in that game, and the Jets look pretty live. Two plays later, he's hitting Tyler Boyd on a blown coverage. It's 14-6, and the game kind of snowballs from there. You kind of wonder, what would we be talking about, Michael, just from the narrative perspective, if that if that call doesn't happen specifically, if the Jets continue to play, and even though Joe Flacco struggled in that game, but, I mean, did you think the Jets looked pretty live, at least as, as a dog there at home, based on the game uh, flow from the first quarter?
5: I mean, the Jets could, not you know, they can't, they have talented players, they're not a talented team, and they turn the ball over, and they fumble, and they don't nail any of the details down. I mean, I think they're really poorly coached, frankly, I think you'll have a hard time ever getting me to bet on the Jets, ever. (laughs) I I won with them two weeks ago, uh, you know, when they played Cleveland, which was a give-me-putt. I mean, I should have never won that. You'll never get me. I mean, as the game goes on, I never feel like they have control of the game or they're ever going to do what they have to do to play the game. Every game there's a way to play to win it, right? And I don't think the Jets ever do it. Whereas the Giants with Dayball, I think he has a less talented team Across the, you know, in yep. the Meadowlands, there. I think he has the worst team, but he manages the game better than what Salai does because Salai operates the game in three levels offense, defense, kick game. Whereas Dayball's trying to combine them and trying to, all you needed to know what Dayball thinks of Daniel Jones is watch how he behaved at the end of the half, knowing he was going to get the ball at halftime. Right. Whereas Salai doesn't even, that doesn't even enter his mind. You know, and now they got Zach Wilson coming back this week. You know, the lines I just tweeted this out. The Lions at three right now with Pittsburgh. It opened at five. It's moved to three. But, I, I mean, I think it'll go to three and a half before too long. How do you bet on Zach Wilson? He's going to turn the ball over. Especially against Pittsburgh? In Pittsburgh? First,
4: yeah, first game back as well for Zach Wilson. We'll get to that uh, situation in, in, in our next segment. because And there's some Salah-related things I wanted to get into, into you uh, about as well, Michael, just with the general game management that we saw on Sunday there against Cincinnati. At least, Of and we're talking about quarterback injuries here, speaking of the two apiece, reports coming out this morning that he is, at least for now, while he has that questionable tag, certainly trending to the positive side of actually giving it a go Thursday night. Here's what Mike McDaniel, get your thoughts on a second on this, Michael, but here's what Mike McDaniel had to say in the press conference yesterday.
3: This much I know about Tua, Um, him him and I's relationship is strong. He actually um, called me at like 10.50 last night. I'm like, dude, is everything okay? No, I'm just checking in on you. I'm like, all right, that was, that's fun. And so, uh, um, and just him talking to me, I can tell in his voice he's literally gonna do everything he can, um and and in his power so collectively, um we you know, we're I'll be basically uh, he's I know that he's gonna do everything he can to play. Um, so I'll know if he if he doesn't play that um it literally was not possible. Um and we're just taking measures Accordingly, for Teddy, um, um, beyond that, um, but happy with the w- way he's so far progressed, and um, feel very optimistic uh, because of how
4: he's going about it. First off, Michael, the usage of literally kind of interesting for Mike McDaniel is the word literally really necessary when talking about a quarterback who obviously wants to play. I
5: mean, come on, what? What? Come on, Michael. I don't know, know some, how you some... tell. I, I don't know how you tell it in his voice, but look, I, I think. You know, one thing, you know, we talk about Cincinnati's offensive line. Miami's offensive line isn't very good either. He just gets rid of the ball. They get him out of the ball. Everybody talks about how Mike McDaniels changed the offense. I got to be honest with you. It's still the RPO offense that he ran last year. It it hasn't really changed, you know. Now, they're able to – he's made some plays down the field, but this Bengal front will get after him, especially at the tackle position, you know, and I think that's going to be the concern. Hendrickson can put some pressure on him they don't really run the ball very well. They really haven't been able to run the ball very effectively. So for me, I think this is about, you know, can he he move around a little bit with that ankle and that back? And if he gets hit again – It'll be problematic.
4: Right. And the story coming out, it was mostly the back injury to a saying that has been bothering him. Not as much. The ankle limited in practice yesterday, trending in the right direction. But we'll see. Got to admit, I mean, under 47, Michael, I know we've talked about the Miami struggles defensively from a yards for play standpoint, but you just talked about the, the projected game flow for these teams under 47 feels
5: pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, no, I think it is. I mean, I think you got to slow the game down against, look, Miami's points per play is the number two team in the league. you got to be careful because they can hit it really big time. A lot of that's from that Baltimore game, though.
4: No question. We're just getting started on the Lombardi line. We'll talk some Jets up next.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment,
0: oh, my God.
5: Listening to the Lombardi line on vSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: Start your football season on the right foot by subscribing to VEASAN Pro. Get full access to everything we do, including our daily Picks at a Glance recap of the top plays made by VEASAN Show, hosting guests 24-7 video season prep, including our weekly college and pro football matchup guides, covering every game all season long. Pro tools like our exclusive betting splits and pro tips, updated every hour with actionable insights to up your betting game. Sign up on our discounted football special. And get VEASAN Pro access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $175. Or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription. And bet smarter all year long. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. As we're back on the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi, I'm Ben Wilson. And for Patrick, we've got Harry Gagnon coming up later today. Michael, the H-Dog trying to stay hot. Always great to have uh, Harry on the show a little bit later. And uh, as far as... We're talking about right now, Mike, looking at these AFC East quarterbacking situations. You and Femi uh, did the deep dive on the Patriots yesterday on, on your podcast, The GM Shuffle, which we'll talk about here in a second. But you look at the Jets now, and it has been made official. You were alluding to this last break. Zach Wilson officially cleared. Barring any setbacks, he will be the guy here for this week for start. And the number has come down. Still a couple of three and a halfs in the market at this moment on Pittsburgh. But We're seeing a lot of these three and a halfs turn into juice threes. Three minus 115 or 120 on Pittsburgh. So when you consider, Michael, the struggles for Joe Flacco as a quarterback, but you compare that to a quarterback in Zach Wilson who threw for only nine touchdowns to 11 picks last year, injured very, very early in training camp this season, what realistically is the bar to clear here if you're going from Flacco to Wilson, and what do you expect, at least for this first game Sunday?
5: Well, I mean, the problem I have with the Jets is the fact that, will they know how to manage the game with a quarterback who's had no reps in the preseason coming off of an injury. I mean, they didn't manage the game with Flacco. I mean, Dayball manages the game with Daniel Jones. I mean, you're going to have to figure out what your quarterback can and can't do. I think it's one of the things that Mike McCarthy has got to get credit with Cooper Rush. I mean, he's going in there. He knows what Cooper's good at doing. They execute that. They run the ball. They feature their two best players. To me, the Jets just run plays. That's all they do. They don't ever play complementary football to their offense or their defense. You know, and so they just kind of run. They have some plays they run well, some they don't. And then defensively, they never get control of the game, even though, you know, when you sit there and think, oh, the Jets, you know, the defensive front's really good, but they never seem to be able to get control of the game when they play. So, for me, I don't know what to expect when when they go on the field. I mean, they're going to go into Pittsburgh. That's going to be a tough environment for them because Steelers have had more time, you know, and the one thing I think Trubisky will be able to do in this game is Trubisky will know what, what Salai's in, the front, the coverages, Right. I mean, you'll know exactly what they're doing, so it won't be that difficult. Plus, plus the fact that you know you can effectively run the ball on the Jets. I mean, I think you can. Mm-hmm. Our yards per attempt is low, but I think you can run the ball, which helps Pittsburgh's offense. You think, too, about
4: the Jets, a team, we're looking at this just first from the offensive perspective, tied with the Chicago Bears, and if you're talking about any stat where you're tied with the Chicago Bears in and it's an offensive stat, probably not a good thing. Tied for 24th no. in yards per play there. But the thing that surprises me the most with a quarterback who's essentially a statue at this point in Joe Flacco, they still lead the league through three weeks in pass rates. At this point, over seventy-five percent. I understand a lot of that is game flow, and when you're trailing in games, you have to throw the football, Michael. But,
5: but when you bring, but in they a, really were. Yeah. They really weren't, though, Ben. I mean, exactly. when you watch the Bengal tape, like you said, the game was a lot closer. It got away from them in the middle eight, but it wasn't. The Baltimore game was a closer game in the first half. Like, they just abandoned the run. Like, Baltimore, they were running the ball effectively in that game. He just he walked away from it, you know? And and, and when you have a young quarterback, you're going to have to protect him. Now, look, I don't think you got to run it on first and second down and then get into third down. I think that's ridiculous. But you got to give him a chance to really have some balance to the game. And you got to manage the game accordingly. I mean, they haven't had a hundred-yard rushing games in three games. They've turned the ball over seven times in three weeks. Their defense has only forced three turnovers. You know, so for me, this is about how do we handle this? You know, how do we play the game to where we benefit with Zach Wilson? And I've never seen that from Salai. I've never seen him understand that concept. They just go out there and do what they do, and you know, and maybe they win, maybe they don't. I mean, they got Pittsburgh this week. They host Miami next week. They go Green Bay, Denver. I mean, it's a tough road ahead. This is a winnable game for them in terms of their talent level versus the opponent. I'm not sure it is versus the coaching matchup.
4: Right, and it's not like this is the 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers who just didn't even try to run and couldn't really run, but they had an amazing quarterback and could get all these yards per pass attempt. It's like the Jets are still middle of the pack in rushing. They're not the Chargers this year who were at about 2.5 yards per carry. It's not an amazing running game, but they're at least serviceable, about 4.4 yards per carry at this point. So uh, it sounds like you wouldn't have any confidence in Sala really changing this offensive game plan. Mike, why would I? I?
5: What evidence have you seen from Sala that he actually can manage a game? I mean, Dan Campbell, notwithstanding, who else can't manage a game? I mean, Dan Campbell put on a clinic in the fourth quarter against the Vikings last week. That was a clinic. On how not to win a game. I mean, the Vikings are saying to Dan Campbell, here, take the game. Please have it all on the platter. And Dan's like, no, 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 I don't want it. Please don't. don't. I don't want it. I don't want to win. I mean, Salai's the same way. You know, he doesn't understand the situations. You know, I mean, look, they've got 30. They're 30th in the league in passing attempts. 30th. They got Joe Flacco. They let Flacco throw it 59 times against the Baltimore Ravens. Like, seriously? Oh, well, we got behind. Well, what was the halftime score? I mean, what was the halftime score? You know, you weren't that far behind at halftime. They took mm-hmm. the game over. I mean, play the game. Give yourself a chance to win. You know, give yourself a chance to win when you play this. 10-3 at the half. I just don't – huh? Pardon me? I'm ten, sorry. 10-3
4: ten half in that game.
5: Yeah, was no, I, I mean, it was yeah. a close game. It's a one-possession game. And when you look at it, you know, when you look at it, I, I just think to me, this game was 20-3 at half, right? But that, that score, I think, came late in the game. Late in the half yeah. and it kind of got away. But even if you're down twenty to three to the Bengals, like the last thing you don't have to panic. Like it's it, again, just get, you get it back to you, you get going. You kind of get your offense so you protect yourself.
4: No question. And that and you think about the Baltimore game, how that played out then in the in the Jet game, even the, the Browns game. It was a I and mean, that was a one score game at the half as well there. The last thing I'll say on yeah, Sal, and then we can we can move on. You think about how defensive coordinators specifically have approached Joe Burrow so far playing a lot of cover two against the Cincinnati, the dynamic wide receiver group. And you think about the percentage of snaps the Jets played in cover two, 1%. What, what did that tell you about uh, Salah when Well, we he's see not a guy cover- not do that?
5: Well, you've got to understand something. So, like I, don't even know, like, I don't even know why. I don't even look at that because Salah this eight-in-the-box guy. He's going to have a middle-of-field closed all the time. So, like, that's never – he's never played cover two. He wouldn't know how to teach cover two. Like he's a middle of the field's close, which means a free safety's in there, or they're gonna be zero coverage where they're gonna we're gonna blitz. I mean, and so he's gonna build an eight man front. And why does he have to do that? So, you know, you can only play cover two, Ben, if you're willing to play a two gaps kind of scheme. Because why? Because there's eight gaps in football up in the front. There's eight gaps. And if you're in cover two, you only have seven guys in the front. So there's a get you're a gap short. So they can find the gap to run the ball. So you've got to get somebody's got a two gap. Well, Salai and San Francisco and those teams—they're never two. They're going up the field. They want to get up the field. They want to create negative plays. So he's never playing two. Yeah. He's never going. You know, yeah. Middle field's going to be closed the whole time. Their their objective in this game is to turn the ball over. Is to put pressure on. Is to put pressure on t- Trubisky and turn the ball over.
4: I think it was one I think it was one or two snaps I saw in that game that were play, that were played it in, uh, in, in covered too. surprising maybe it was even that high for uh, for Sala in that Bengal game from last week. In the meantime we talk about Zach Wilson he is cleared going to start barring any setback. You have the opposite situation at play for the New England Patriots. Mac Jones feared out at least a couple of weeks with that severe high ankle sprain suffered late in the loss to Baltimore in their week three game. So you turn likely to Brian Hoyer in this spot but we heard Bill Belichick the other day, Asked about what he liked about Hoyer, and he just said, "Yeah, yeah he's experienced," and then that was about it. Kind of a classic uh, Bill answer, as you, you were you were probably expecting. Michael, realistically though, what do you expect out of a New England team that has been very, very sloppy so far, careless with the ball, especially in the red zones, uh, in a in a spot here at Green Bay where they're catching nearly 10 points
5: right now? Well, I mean, look, I think that they've played nothing but the way the Patriots played. I mean, they haven't done it. I mean, when you break down this team. And people, and I talked about it on the podcast, and I said, look, he's got to stop turning the ball over. And people are like, well, you know, you're just shilling for your boy. You know, he's throwing 50-50 balls like they'd asked him to do. Look, there's, you know, the, there wasn't a 50-50. The Pittsburgh interception, that wasn't a 50-50 ball. Some of these other interceptions, they're not 50-50 balls. They're bad decisions. Like, just because you're saying we want to throw it down the field doesn't mean you do that. I mean, the thing about Mac Jones, which has had it been effective for him, was the fact that, He's got to be able to show that he's smart with the football. He doesn't have elite talent. He doesn't have an elite arm or an elite athleticism to make up for something. Where he's got to be elite is mentally, and that's where he hasn't been. I mean, 7 turnovers, you know, in the two losses. 7 turnovers. They're 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 minus 5 in the game. I mean, they that Baltimore game is a very winnable game for them, but yet they keep giving the ball away. They keep giving the ball away. They you know, and so and, and then when you don't score in the red zone, you give the ball away in the red zone. It's problematic. Now with Brian Hoyer, look, Hoyer can move the ball from the 20 to the 20. The problem when Hoyer gets to is when he gets the ball in the red zone, he's going to make mistakes. That's something they're going to have to do. But Belichick's got to fix this whole problem with turning the ball over. It isn't just interceptions. It's fumbles too. Yeah, and you think too. I mean, it's it's
4: a, you always talk about the culture of a franchise that it is so unpatriot-like just to compare it to uh, to past seasons. And you just sort of wonder, like, is this – Solely on the quarterback, of which we talk about a lot of these plays being yes, but what what about the the defense giving up big plays? I know Lamar Jackson, pretty incredible playmaker, but now you turn around and face Aaron Rodgers and a pretty good uh, Packer team in general. So a lot of questions to answer. That is a low total, though. Only 40 in that spot. Right now laying 9.5 or 10 are the Green Bay Packers. We'll talk about two teams up next, Michael, who are off to brilliant starts and who face off this week. Jacksonville and Philadelphia, coaches rising in the coach of the year odds. We'll talk about that and more coming up next on the Lombardi Line.
5: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It
4: is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport. Whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We're back on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick Maher today. Patrick back tomorrow. We have Michael Lombardi with us as well. Michael, the hype on the Eagles. It has officially reached a fever pitch. You're writing about the Eagles for vcin.com. I'm looking up at my TV. Stephen A. Smith is power rating them number one. (laughs) It's on
5: first take today. He would know. Uh, I mean, he would know. Yeah, I mean, sure, he would know.
4: (laughs) No doubt. And we now have odds, too, on who will be the first team to defeat the Eagles, which is one of those things when you're three weeks into the season and you're putting up odds on when will they take their first loss for any team. Obviously, the hype has reached a fever pitch. Before we get to that specifically, though, uh, you sound like certainly a believer at this point in Philadelphia, partially because of the schedule, partially because of the results you've seen so far uh, on the field. How sustainable do you expect this to be here rest of the regular season for Philly?
5: Well, I mean, look, they've scored 65 points in the second quarter. I mean, the Giants have only scored 54 points all year. The Eagles scored 65 in the second quarter. I mean, they, they can gain yards. I don't think people truly understand. It's going to take a unique front to stop them. Jacksonville has that kind of front, though. you got to be very fast. you got to have defensive ends that can run and tackle in space. You can't be old and plotting when you play them. So, look, and they're going to make mistakes. They're going to lose a game eventually down here. But the schedule's so damn easy. I mean... They go on the road in in, uh, December for three weeks in a row, right around Christmas up. It's the Giants, the Bears, and the Cowboys. And now maybe Dak will be back for that game. But it's hard to find. I mean, they go to Indianapolis. That will probably be a tough game. They got to go out to Arizona. That can be a tough game because, look, Arizona likes to play Sandlot football as much as anybody, and that's what what could give the Eagles some trouble. But uh, I think when you look at it, it's hard to find wins. I mean, they play New Orleans at home. They don't have to go into the Dome. They, go, they play Green Bay at home. Will Green Bay's offense be better? Look, I just think, to me, the road to the Super Bowl, I'm not saying they're going there, but I think they have a really good chance to be the best team in the NFC in terms of record because of the schedule, and their team is very good. And you think, too, about
4: where the futures have reflected on them now, and they've gone to your betting favorite to win the NFC. They've left Prague both Green Bay and Tampa right now at about plus 350 at MGM. They're now at third on the overall Super Bowl odds board behind only Kansas City and Buffalo at this point. And I would imagine if there's one thing, if you're looking at value, and I know you wrote about two from the Super Bowl odds, that might represent still some value because they are longer than a couple teams on that list. In-season win totals, though, which we talk about all the time here at Visa, and that can still be a really profitable way to bet these teams. We saw BetMGM, they shaded their win total up from 10 and half to 11.5, but you just ran through the schedule. Is that not still a little bit light when you think about what is still on the road ahead for Philadelphia?
5: I don't know where they find five losses. I mean, they go to Houston. They play Indianapolis. They, they play the AFC South, which is one of the worst divisions. And they play the NFC East, which is one of the worst divisions. So when you combine those two things together, it's why everybody's talking about why the Giants could get over their seven. The Giants are not a good team at all. I mean, they're not a good team at all. They could easily be 0-3. They've managed themselves to be 2-1, and right? Give them credit. But at some point, once you declare how you're playing – as we get through September, it's hard to manage games. It becomes even you're gonna to have to make some. You got to, to play outside your comfort mm-hmm. zone, and I think that's what's gonna hit the Giants. I mean, look, when I take the Giants against the Bears? I think it's a hard game. Even though the Bears can't complete passes, even the most fundamental passes that they they can't complete, but they play hard on defense. They get after it, and they could create some turnovers because Daniel Jones, even though he hasn't turned it over, he might. So. I don't know. When you combine these, it's a perfect storm for Philadelphia. They play right. the South. They play the East. They're a good team. You know, they play the Steelers out of – they play the Steelers. You know, I mean, and, and, you know, they play the Bears. They don't – you know, they play – I mean, it's really not a hard schedule. They play the this North. You know, they've already beaten Detroit and Minnesota. So, I, I just think all roads to the Super Bowl are going to have to go through Broad Street. But that doesn't mean they're getting there. Yeah. It's just going to require a team. I think they'll have a hard time playing Tampa. They'll have a really hard time playing San Francisco. Because San Francisco will make them play left-handed. Now, whether they can win that game, that, it's a one-game game. So, we'll see. And you think about, you mentioning the
4: division they're going off, at least in the crossover here, AFC South, while a bunch of those teams have looked really shaky so far. At the same time, you face a Jacksonville team this week where if you look at so far the net yards for play through three weeks, There's only three teams who rank in the top 10 of both offense and defense. Two would not really be much of a surprise, Philadelphia and Buffalo. The third is Jacksonville, who come off of an absolute evisceration of a somewhat compromised Charger team with the quarterback Justin Herbert being injured. But regardless, to go on the road and win 38-10 in that manner has to to turn your attention a little bit to Doug Peterson's Jacksonville team. You go in now to Philadelphia, coming riding high off back-to-back big wins, first on a primetime spot, then against a divisional rival on the road. Philadelphia is laying six and a half here, but what does it tell you? The line has not budged whatsoever, uh, Michael. In this spot, still at six and a half here for the Eagles.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, the 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 Eagles front. Will, win, will be the problem in the game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you go back and watch the Washington game earlier in the season, Lawrence got crap. He got, he got hit a lot in that game. Their offensive line has played better the last two weeks. Look, this Charger team, you know, the, we all talk about they have pro bowlers on every level. They don't have a pro bowler on the sideline. That's their big issue. So, you know, and, and Lawrence is playing really well. Lawrence is playing really well, and he's accurate with the football, and he's making plays. And the combination of ATN and Robinson running, I think after week one, when they were running the football against the Washington football team, you know, Peterson stopped it. He just went all pass, which was a problem, and that affected them. Now, in the last two weeks, he's incorporated the running game and has given some balance to their offense, which they need. But the key to this game is going to be, can they hold up with their front? And, and they're good. You know, with the two first-round picks in the front seven, Walker and Lloyd, they're fast. You know, they got that kid Olakon from mm-hmm. – uh, from Atlanta, he's a good player. You go Josh Allen, they put Robinson Harris on the outside. They're good, and they're fast. They're very athletic on defense. And remember, Todd Bowles played the Eagles last year in twice. Played him in Philly with the Bucks. Played him in Tampa in a playoff game. Mike Caldwell was on that defensive staff. So that game plan is going to be in play. Can they execute it remains to be seen. I think that's why the six and a half hasn't moved at all. I don't think that the book's going to give you a touchdown. If anything, I think it's going to go to six.
4: That's a great point. I just wonder, even with the the staff familiarity there that now Doug Peterson has with him in Jacksonville and the experience facing Philadelphia, let's just keep in mind who Jacksonville's quarterbacks have been, who they faced. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and a injured Justin Herbert playing through a, a rib injury to his cartilage. You now turn to Jalen Hurts, who's such a dual threat option. How much concern would you have if you're Jacksonville, just solely based on the different type of QB they have to go up against this week?
5: Well, I mean, look, you know, Wentz moved the ball and made some plays. Washington's got some skill players. There's no denying it. Washington could move the football on almost any team. They just can't protect very well. The last two weeks, they've gotten Wentz has had no time to throw the football. So, uh, look, you can't control who you play. I think the defense is yeah. good for Jacksonville. I think the problem's going to be, can Jacksonville's offensive line protect in this game? That's going to be, because the Eagles front's really good. The Eagles gets after it. They've changed what they do defensively. They're not as much as, we're going to play soft and let you move the ball and then play great in the red zone. You can make some plays. Look, the Lions moved the ball on Philadelphia. They moved the ball on Philly. And I don't know if Peterson, you know, Peterson will understand, you know, he wasn't here, he wasn't in Philly when the Philly, when the scheme was in place. So it's going to be a different scheme for him. So it's really he doesn't gain the advantage. The advantage is Mike Caldwell against Nick Sariani and the offensive staff. That's right. the that's the advantage because they've played a game plan with their corners. Now, can Jacksonville's corners do what Dean and and and, and the other corners at, at at Tampa Bay have done? That remains to be seen. Right.
4: You think about it too. I just it, we're talking in the general sense of all this uh, hype now for Philadelphia, and a lot of it is certainly earned. Nick Sirianni, now is your favorite to win coach of the year. I only chuckle at that, Michael, just because you're asking a guy who was already in the playoffs a season ago to now, like it's sort of like what is the bar set here if you're actually going to ask him to win that award. When you think about the really good candidates so far with Mike McDaniel at 5-1, to one, Doug Peterson's now in single digits with the great start for Jacksonville. I wonder if that's maybe the one bet you would want to maybe shy away from when considering how good the other future value still represents here for Philly.
5: Well I think a lot of this Doug, Doug Nick Sariani is based on the way Hertz has played in the first two weeks of the game, right? I think I think that the, I think I think that's where he's getting the love is where Hertz has plates has improved his play against the bad Detroit defense, against the Minnesota defense that we watched Detroit go up and down the field on him. And then last week against the, you know, against the Washington defense, which somebody explained to me what they do on defense. I have no idea. They don't play good in any week at any time, but they keep playing the way they are. So, you know, I think that's where the motivating factor for Sariani is coming yeah. into play.
4: Michael, I, was, I somehow had a ticket on Washington last week, and I was here at Circa for our live shows. Took until about ten eighteen AM Pacific time for me to just say, why, why did I why did I torture myself like this? What was yeah. I doing? It was such a miserable viewing experience for I three mean hours. You,
5: you will have you will Washington and the Jets will be two teams you will never hear out of my mouth on Sunday morning as taking the points or going with them. I don't give a dar- if they cover, God bless. I don't want anything to do. I'm not watching that yeah. staff. Those two staffs work. No.
4: It's one of those things I know I don't even have to say I'm going to hold you to that, Michael, because I know. I, I know you will not be tempted at all by those teams uh, whatsoever. Jacksonville, Philadelphia, very interesting matchup here coming up uh, this Sunday in Philly. On the other side, we'll talk about some big injury news in New Orleans. That's next.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought...
5: To the Lombardi line on vSIN. Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: Attention, BetMGM customers have a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement at BetMGM and get a $50 bonus. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable site credit. Site credit expires in 30 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. Back with Michael Lombardi. I'm Ben Wilson on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. We're looking at some of the line movements, Michael, on Wednesdays, which usually is when these lines do start to get hammered into place. And one pretty significant move, I bring this up because it was sitting two and a half most of the early week, has now ticked up to three. And that's our game in London. First one this year, Vikings and Saints. And the big reason for the move here, Vikings up to minus three, is because of the injury status for a trio of Saints. You have Jameis Winston held out of practice today. Same deal for Michael Thomas as well in this overall uh, Saints injury room. And then Jarvis Landry, neither of them in uh, practice here today. They're expected back tomorrow. But you combine a a team with a bunch of injuries now going across the pond where that, that whole week of preparation is always condensed in a sense. Uh, where are you at right now with a, a New Orleans team that was uh, pretty pretty much smacked in the mouth there for three hours against Carolina Sunday?
5: Well, I mean they, you know, look, they missed two field goals in the game, right, and so that that really affected them. And they haven't been able to get Kamara going. I mean, I think that's been the bigger issue. They can't get the they can't get him going. They can't seem to make their offense kind of click. They and they also, believe it or not, I know this is going to sound great, but they, without Taysom Hill, you know, who made big plays in the Atlanta game. They don't have a big play player. You know, he's hurt too. He I don't know where he is on the injury list this week, but to me that's a problem. And their offense had a hard time protecting and they created turnovers the Panthers the first time. So, to me that was the issue. The one thing is Baker Mayfield didn't play good at all, Ben. I don't know if you watched this cape. And, you know, this game was really close except for they throw a they throw a flat route to to Chenault out there and he goes sixty seven yards. They missed two tackles and it goes sixty seven. I mean, they've played pretty good defense in the game. The 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 the, the fact is the Panthers were never, never, i underscore the word never, never in the red zone. Never in the red zone. And yet they won the game. It was kind of a a, a unique way but they didn't turn the ball over. That saved them. I, I, I mean I, I know they've got injuries, but the Saints team defensively is still a good team. And Lattimore could take away Lattimore could take away uh, Justin Jefferson, and then they've got to be able to protect, which they didn't do a good job when they played. Detroit should have won the game Mm -hmm. last week. There's no doubt.
4: And that final box score, Saints outgained Carolina well over 100 yards. It was 426-293. to But so many times with these games, and you know this as a former executive, it's like the turnover margin can tell you everything you need to know. Three turnovers for the Saints, none for Carolina, and that doesn't even include – the two missed kicks, one of which was blocked, one of which missed by Will Lutz in that game. Uh, you brought up the taste Dill element of this as well. And he, for the first time since Dennis Allen took over as head coach for Sean Payton, did take reps this week as the backup quarterback. It's been all Andy Dalton taking the second string reps so far. And they've even gone as far with some of these struggles here for Jameis Winston coming back off the ACL, where Dennis Allen felt the need in these press conferences to say, yeah, Winston is still the guy. And, and like he's my quarterback. I'm not moving on from him. But so far, four touchdowns, five picks for Winston. Is this more of, a, of an injury concern thing for you, just looking rusty and, and coming off the injury, or is there something else at play here for, for Jameis, at least in these first three
5: weeks? Well, I mean, there's only one other team in the National Football League that turns it over more than the Saints do, and that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the Patriots, right? And so that's where you want to know why you're losing? I mean, you don't have to yeah. look too far. I mean, they got nine turnovers in three games. I mean, they only the game they won, they only had one turnover. Tampa Bay, they turn it over five times. Yes, on on Sunday, they turned it over three. You know, so it doesn't matter how many yards you gain. If you can't protect the football, it doesn't do you any good. And Winston hasn't been able to protect it, you know, and they stripped the ball out of Kamara's hands for a touchdown. That, that turnover led to seven points. So... I think Dennis Allen has got to understand he's frustrated. Look, when you lose a game and the quarterback on the other team barely can complete a pass you, you it's it's problematic. You, you know it's really problematic and that's what they did. Minnesota on the other hand, to me they were given the gift that kept on giving. I mean we don't even have enough time to go over how bad Dan <laughs> Campbell was. We really don't. I mean I mean you know there's always a point in a game, Ben, where I'm sitting there watching the game. I always say to myself, How many points do we need to win? And there's always a point in a game where in my notes, when I would work for a team, I would write down, we got to win the game here, right? And so when when Cook fumbles against Detroit and they get the ball, Detroit gets the ball in really good field position at the, you know, kind of almost into the fourth quarter, I I write down, got to win the game here. Of course they go three and out, punt, right? They get it back again because they sack Cousins. They create they played as good as defense as you can play. I write, gotta win the game here. Okay? They don't. They they hold him to a field goal. Now it's a field goal game, but when they but he tries a fifty a some yard field goal and all they need is a field goal to tie the game. And yet they give up a touchdown. I mean, to me, Detroit's management in that game is the reason Minnesota's t- two and one and not one and two.
4: And especially, you talk about the lack of management from Dan Campbell in Detroit down the closing minutes of that game. When we're dealing with small sample sizes so early in the year, you look at Minnesota, and I would imagine a casual fan looks at them and says, all right, two and 2-1, you pounded Green Bay week one. Sure, you got exposed a little bit on the road against Philadelphia, but Eagles look like gangbusters, and then you win a close game at home against Detroit. How misleading, though, of a 2-1 and one, do you view this Minnesota team, considering what we just saw Sunday?
5: Well, I mean, look—you know—in three games, they haven't really slowed anybody down. I mean, they really haven't. I mean, I know they won that that Packer game, but. The Packer game, that it was home. They were able to get off the field. They forced two turnovers from the Packers. But in the last two weeks, they've almost given up – they've given up over 400 yards of offense against the Eagles and last week against Detroit. And Detroit really beat themselves. I mean, Goff had a couple chances on those drives that I was talking about where that just was a, just a hair late with the throw or just in the wrong spot. I mean, they they never really stopped Detroit in the game. Detroit stopped themselves. They never really stopped Detroit. I think the Saints, if they're healthy, I think the Saints will move the ball. I think that's why the Saints opened up as the favorite in the game, and it flipped because of perception. Like, I thought Minnesota was going to be a little bit better defensively. I don't think that's the case. I think they're struggling defensively right now.
4: Giving up six yards per play to opposing offenses in their net yard per play right now, tied with the Jets, tied for 25th. Negative .5 yards per play, at least on the Nets, if you're combining the offense and the defense, at least to this point. I was also wondering, in that, that Minnesota-Detroit game you were talking about, Michael, Amonra St. Brown gets injured pretty early in that game. Now, he came back late, but at that point, he gets injured with Detroit up 14-0. They were doing whatever they wanted off on offense and pre- pretty much running the offense through their guy in St. Brown. How different does that game play out if Amonra actually stays on the field and, and doesn't get banged up, do you think?
5: Well, I mean, look, Josh Reynolds made a couple plays in the game later in the game, too. But I'm, I think a lot of it had to do with just Detroit. You know, that, that when the game was on the line and they had to win the game, they couldn't do it. They get the ball back with seven minutes in the fourth quarter. And I say to myself, you get six first downs, you win the game, right? Because they still got three timeouts left in the two-minute warning. So if you can get six first downs. And they start driving the ball down the field. They get a great call on third down on a defensive holding, right? They get another first down. And now they're moving the ball. They got a chance. They're almost in field goal range, and they got a third and four. They don't get it. They, a third and eight, they don't get it. And now it's fourth and two, and he decides the long field goal. Like, why would you do that? Like, like all they need is three points, and your kicker missed one earlier way to the right, and he does it again. Like, I don't understand it. You know, he went for it sometimes. He didn't. It's all feel for Dan Campbell, I'm sure, but, like, pin him back. The, actually, the, the surprising thing about that Lions game to me was how much improved the Lions have been defensively.
4: Right. It, you, but you look, too, and this goes back to, I mean, to the start of the Dan Campbell era, how bad they've been in one-score games. And you look at when Jared Goff has been the Lions quarterback – 0 and 8 now in one score games with Dan Campbell as his head coach. If you're sitting there in the front office for Detroit, what what are you telling a coach in Dan Campbell who clearly is able to motivate his guys, but the lack of execution, as you pointed out, leaving a lot to be desired here late in these games?
5: Well, I, I just tell him, look, we got to we gotta avoid losing the game before we can win, right? Like, let's not give. I mean, do you realize the Lions have the second best offense in terms of points scored in the league? They have the third best in terms of yards gained in the league. Think about that. They're second in points, third in yards. They have the number one rushing average yards per attempt of any team in the league. I mean, think about that. You know, and, and, you know, they're good in the red zone. They're horrible on defense in the red zone, which all these numbers I'm going to give you are kind of an indictment of Campbell. Situational football, right? They're bad on third down defense. They're bad in the red zone. They're bad on third down offense. You know, they're 15th. And but they're good in red zone offense. I mean, th- there's a team here that should that could be a playoff team. They really could be if no they question. could dress themselves up.
4: Here they are laying anywhere from 4 to 5 at home against Seattle coming up. We have not seen Detroit be in this position before. This is only the second time now over the last two-plus years where they've been a significant favorite here at home. Our pro tip of the hour, by the way, from Michael Lombardi earlier this hour. Pay attention to coaching relationships and past experience with previous regimes when you're handicapping these games. A great example given from the earlier matchup in Jacksonville and Philadelphia. Our pro tip of the hour. We'll talk the biggest games of the week up next on the Lombardi Line.